Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. What's up? Thursday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for jumping on board, for coming along for the ride this afternoon, wherever you are, however you're listening. Good to have you with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sportsbook, the Golden Moon Casino. Learn more about them online at Pearl River Resort. Dot com alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky. I'm Richard Cross. We are uh, would love to hear from you this afternoon. Ceasefire text line is open at 601-879-4395. Introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from Ceasefire. The phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you. Just $30 a month with auto pay. Learn more at ceasefire.com. Ceasefire, customer inspired. Three weeks from tonight. NC State at UConn right after we finish the show. Kind of, kind of interesting. Look at your score app. It could be. There's potential for a very early upset in that one. Nebraska at Minnesota, that 7 o'clock on game. Fox. Should be a pretty awesome environment there in a small stadium, but nice and new in Minneapolis. South Dakota at Missouri, so one SEC team getting underway. Uh, another SEC team getting underway, Florida at Utah, Rice-Eccles Stadium in Salt Lake City. Currently, the Utes are a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Cam Rising's not 100% yet. That's, I take Utah all the way. Has Cam Rising no, no ever played a game at 100%? No. <laughs> None of us are at 100%. Like, I'm not at 100% seven, right now. He's going to be 35 going on 90. I mean, he, he's going to be limping around, hanging out with his buddies like at a bar after he, work. <laughs> just, he's got old man strength. He'll be fine. North Carolina A&T at UAB. <laughs> ESPN Plus, 7 o'clock kick. Hey, hey, you know, I have ESPN Plus thanks to uh, having Hulu. I will put that game on just to hear it. I will. I'll do it. Just man, to hear the man dulcet to admit tones. That. Yeah, I will do it. Uh, Trent Dilfer Speaking, debut. 
in that game. See, yeah. but at least you have something interesting there. You know, Dilfer's interesting. So, so Speaking of, I actually uh, think uh, I'm sorry, Haddad. For, forgive me for interrupting. You'll like this. Go ahead, I don't go know ahead. if I've told you or not. Okay. I think I've got a doubleheader opening weekend. I've got that Thursday yeah. night game with Arkansas or uh, NCA and T at UAB, and then on Saturday, Akron at Temple. So I'm going to let Joe know you're coming, and he'll. I want a goodie bag of some Akron gear coming back my way. Okay. And we'll make that happen. I will do my best. That is cool, though. I mean, <laughs> you get Dilfer in his first game, and you know he made some waves this off season with some comments, and, and he didn't say anything bad. It wasn't like that, but he just he, he made news, and he's interesting. And then you get Joe Moorhead. That you know, it could have been worse. I mean, somebody you know, you've met. Yeah, that's that's cool. So I was looking at this uh, the, the release from ESPN yesterday with all the announcers and all the teams on it, mm-hmm. and. Uh, just looking at, at the way they've got everything done, there there's an outside chance that Dan Mullen calls the Egg Bowl this year. Is he on the Thursday night game with Matt Barry? I don't know if he's on. He's with Matt Barry and Harry Lyles. Yeah. I I, I really. Oh, that could I, be. Classic. I just don't know if. I mean, seriously though, could you put Dan Mullen on a call for an Egg Bowl? Yeah, sure. You could. Why not? Yeah. I mean, it, it, there have been there, there have been other uh, announcers who have had. I mean, Cole Kublik calls Auburn games. Yeah, but there's more to Dan Mullen than just being the coach at Mississippi State. There was also other stuff that ah, happened. I don't know what you're talking about. Ah, what are it, you talking about? It, he, he's not like Cole Kublik who played for Auburn when I wasn't alive. Uh, th- this is still in recent history. You were alive in 1999. Oh, he's that. Oh, I thought he was older than that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just don't remember. No. I thought. I thought he was older. I was like 99 and 2000. Okay. Come on, man. Well, look. You you guys know that I love doing college football games. I love being on television. It's really cool. Um, but if I need an ego check on the the ESPN press release on their website, which is like the media zone press room, whatever. They've got this collage of pictures for their veteran voices and impressive newcomers highlight ESPN's industry-leading college football coverage. What a terrible headline. Jeez. It's like everybody that's involved with college football. No, no Richard Cross in so, that picture. Not yet. So I interviewed, days, Tom Hart I interviewed Tom Hart yesterday, and he had just tweeted that picture, right? Mm-hmm. Or that link. And I was like, Tom, before we start, I have a question. Because I was worried about you. I was like, is is he just not on there because he's doing ESPN Plus games and that's they don't they don't have all the online people on here? Or or did he not get games? He's like, Oh, it's gotta be they just they just don't have all the online because this isn't everybody that calls games. I was like, Okay. I was worried about you. I appreciate that. It's uh very kind of you. So, very kind of you. So, so um but yeah, By the I, way, that I, interview has been blowing up all day because people did not like Tom Hart's answers about Mississippi State. Yeah, well, it called them a bottom tier team in the SEC, and for them to move up, somebody else needs said, to be needs to be down. Yeah, said said that state could have a successful season and a losing record. I was just like, "Ooh, I've been to thirteen straight bowls, man! What are we Ooh, talking about?" Tom, here? that's that's hot Tom, because I brought some heat. I mean, you know, I've I've kind of agree. a couple of times thrown cold water on that they're going to win ten games thing, but um, a losing mm-hmm. record. Would absolutely not a successful. 
uh, be a uh, they'd be a year one failure. In fairness, though, yeah. what is the number one goal of your podcast? Number Clicks. one goal. Clicks. You want people to listen to your yeah. podcast. If yeah. Tom Hart yeah. had come on and had said, "Yeah, I mean, I think Mississippi State's a you know seven and five team that probably finishes fourth in the West," people are like, "Oh, okay, that's nice. Nobody's going to listen to that." But for the can you, you believe heat, what uh, Tom Hart said about Mississippi State? That's that, that thread just kept throwing on. It kept growing on the message board. I was like, I hope they're all listening. I hope every one of the. I hope they listen twice. Yes, yes. Um, Jeff in the Delta on the ceasefire text line says it would be so satisfying as Rebel fan to hear Mullen actually say Ole Miss instead of T Sun. I bet he will throw up in his mouth saying it. Oh, I bet I bet he throws a Mississippi in there or something. I don't know. He might go full Cheryl on you. Here's the thing, though. So, so you can do it once and be funny. Like, yeah. like you can make a joke about that on the broadcast. But your question a second ago: Can Dan Mullen work an egg bowl? Absolutely, if he's willing to be professional. If he's yeah. not trying to make Which a I'm joke sure he, out of the broadcast, I'm sure he would be. But you know, he'd like yeah. to keep his job. I'm sure. You would think so. And I feel right. like he'd be good at... So, call me crazy. When I saw that he's doing games, it, it, I, I'm sure he's going to be good at that, too. I, I mean, the, the difference in what a guy like him knows versus what we know is so staggering. I, I, I will probably learn things watching Dan Mullen call games. Everybody hates on Tony Romo. I learn about football when Tony Romo is calling games. So, it, he'll be great there. I want to see him, like, on game day. I think I think he might be really good in that setting, in, in the analyst setting as opposed to in the booth. I, I kind of think that there needs to be a little bit more personality injected into the like studio analyst role in college football uh, than there is right now. It, it's kind of dull uh, across the And that's the, landscape. the role he's been in, right? He's been the studio analyst, and now they're shifting him to games. Yeah. I agree. He he would. I think he might work on game day. I, I really do. Yeah, these were. Uh, there, there's actually a little bit of change in the uh, the announced teams this year. So, Fowler, Herb Street, Holly Rowe on the uh, the ABC Saturday night game, but the now number two crew for ESPN, Sean McDonough has been there, but with Todd Blackledge leaving ESPN to go to NBC, that spot opened. And they move Greg McElroy into that role. So you're going to have Sean yeah. McDonough, Greg McElroy, Molly McGrath. I know you guys have made jokes. We've made jokes, whatever, about Greg McElroy. He does a pretty good job. And we made I jokes was, about Greg McElroy. No, no he does. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, it's just Borky that does that. It's me. It, one uh, bad personal interaction is all it is. But yes, he is good. At oh, that's job. right. That's right. <laughs> um,. You have Rogers was Herb Street. Don't feel bad. R- Rogers was much. Worse, Herb Street was so. my bad one. Yeah, Jesse Palmer is back on games now. Is he He's still going to wear those thin ties and tight suits and shirts? Probably. I, yeah, I, whatever the trend is, and on like runways. Yeah, you know, what what whatever the trend <laughs> is, that's what Jesse Palmer is going to wear. Um, the suits in his closet probably cost more than all of our houses. It's Crazy. Uh, he's with Joe Tessitore and Katie George. <laughs> Bob with Shoes and an RG3 are together this year, and they've got Chris Budden with them. 
We'll look at more of these when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. You ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi on the road tomorrow. The entire Super Talk Mississippi team will be on the Mississippi State campus as we bring awareness to to uh, CAST, that's Child Advocacy Studies Training. It's a nonprofit membership organization that supports and advocates on behalf of children's advocacy centers and multidisciplinary teams statewide. So that is tomorrow. Uh, get started with the Gallo Show first thing tomorrow morning. And uh, Dwayne asked if I was pulling double duty tomorrow. Yeah, pulling a double tomorrow. And hopefully uh, sneaking off to West Point in between. If Hey, Dan, can you be in charge of making sure that the uh, the weather is good tomorrow in the Golden Triangle? On it. Awesome. If you'll take care of that, that would be, uh, would be great. So Jesse Palmer teamed up with Joe Tessitore and Katie George. Okay. Bob Wachusen, Robert Griffin III, Chris Budden. Archie III is, whether you like him or not, he is on an upward trajectory within ESPN's college football world. Although I don't know how much higher he can go yeah. than that. People make fun of him because he's a little cheesy, but I don't hate a little cheesy sometimes. Well, I mean... He goes a little che- further than cheesy sometimes. He he, he becomes risque every yeah, now sometimes. and then. But I appreciate that. We're we're watching football. It'll be yeah. all right. Dave Pash and Dusty Dvorak with Tom Luganville on the field. That is a that's like a, a meat sandwich, like a football sandwich crew. That's uh, that, that is an all football crew. Um, Mark Jones and Lewis Riddick with Quint Kesnick on the sideline. God bless Lewis Riddick. Um, who else we got? Dave Fleming with Brock Osweiler and Caleb Burton, who is new. I'm not familiar with Caleb Burton's work. Uh, SEC Network, you've got uh, Tom Hart, Jordan Rogers, Cole Kubelik. Seventh straight year they've been together. You have Dave Neal with Derek Mason and Taylor Davis this year. And then um, the other crew is uh, Taylor Zarzer, Matt Sinchcombe, and Alyssa Lang. So those are your SEC Network crews. Anybody else? We need to get Beth? Coach Mason on the show. We need to get his his thoughts and some stuff. Do we? Yeah. Okay. I don't know why it ended the way it ended at Oklahoma State. I am surprised that he has not been quickly snatched up to run somebody's defense. I wonder if he just decided enough is enough. Yeah. So like, yeah, he might he might be one of those coaches like NIL and all this print portal. Nah, no more. He's like I, I worked with basically an NFL head coach in David Shaw at Stanford. 
and then I ran my own program, and then I saw how ridiculous college football can be in working for Brian Harson at Auburn in that weird year. And then I went to Mike Gundy in Oklahoma State. You know what? I'm good. Good. I mean, I can see Derek Mason going, if somebody wants to call me and offer me the keys to a, to a car, to a college football program, we'll talk. This whole going back to be an assistant coach with guys that are like college dudes, rah-rah, yeah, it may not be for me. I, I Complete speculation. I know nothing there. Or just working with Gundy so terrible he never wants to do anything football rela- like coaching again. Yeah. Beth Mullins, Kirk Morrison, Stormy Bon and Tommy. Uh, any of these other Stormy okay. Bon and Tommy. It's spelled B U O N A N T O N Y, and it's pronounced Bon and Tommy. I've worked with her one time. It's a heck of a name. Well, I think she works with the Las Vegas Aces or uh, the uh, Golden Knights, the Knights, whatever they're called. Oh, the hockey team. Yeah, the yeah. Golden Knights. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, so this was what you were talking about earlier. Matt Berry, Dan Mullen, Harry Lyles. I I don't know what Harry Lyles brings to that. Like, I watched him. I don't him. know who that is. So. He's the sideline guy for, for that Thursday night crew. Like, I watched him on the sideline for the Egg Bowl last year. I was like, what exactly was... You say it is that you do here? <laughs> you off, you office based him? <laughs> I mean, I didn't say that. I just kind of thought that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, looking to see if any of these others stand out. Not really. Not really. Uh, Jack Ford, the former legal analyst at NBC on football broadcast now. He's a nice guy. Yeah. Clay Matvick and Aaron Murray together. So, those are your, I think he's good. Yeah, just solid and a, and a good dude. Yeah. Murray's going to be good eventually, too, I think. I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. So, it's close. It's, so it's close. really, really close at this point. What is it, 16 until week zero? Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. And these pictures out of Hawaii, guys. Oh, Holy devastating. Cow. Awful. I've never the, been, but I mean the the amount of people that have to to that one town that completely got destroyed, and the way did they describe it is like my perfect vacation spot. It just sounds incredible. Little town, oceanfront, obviously whale watching tours, a ton of history. Nothing built up. It's yeah. not just there, there's no resorts or anything. It's just a little vacation town, and it's it's just gone. Yeah. I mean, just awful. And I think there are up to 36 deaths that have been reported at this point, and they're just, just terrible. I mean, Coast Guard was picking up people that just waded out into the water because they, they, they couldn't go anywhere else. It was, right. my, stay here and that's it, or I just sit in the ocean and, and hope that somebody comes, and they did. And, and, like, the train of thought that got me to that was, oh, yeah, we got Hawaii and Vanderbilt. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah Hawaii. Speaking of that, I was thinking about this earlier. So it does. It sounds like the ACC is not going to go down, at least not right now. The the Stanford Cal wrote because the powers in the ACC, the ones that are going to have options once they get out of the grant rights, are are saying no. 
But everybody else plus Notre Dame wants them. Interesting little power dynamic going on there. Either way. Hawaii does play college football in a conference. That is a long flight, brother, to Hawaii road games for all of the teams in the Mountain West. And, and Hawaii doesn't just play football. They play basketball. They play good baseball at times. I think they're really good at, at some of the other sports that, that are less publicized. They all fly across an ocean to go play all of their games. I, I was thinking about that today. Nobody's the, the brought up... shortest flight possible for Hawaii to any road trip is what, five and a half hours? I think so. I think that's LA, Hawaii, right? Yeah. Five, five and a half, something like that. So you've got Boise. You've got Utah State playing games with Hawaii. And so there's this, well, Oregon's going to go have to play in uh, East Lansing. Yeah. Utah State's got to go play in Honolulu. Honolulu, yeah. Yeah. Every week, Hawaii has a football game every week during football season. Somebody's got to go there or they got to go somewhere. We get a note that says, speaking of Hawaii baseball, yeah. That's where Ole Miss is opening the season next year. Road trip to Honolulu, playing four games on the uh, opening weekend of the season. So, Where on State's campus will you guys be tomorrow? My freshman son, Luke, wants to come check you out. He's there studying chemical engineering on a full academic scholarship. That is from Jeremy in Columbia. Well, first of all, Jeremy, congratulations to you and to your son. Congratulations to yeah, you for having time. a child that is on a full scholarship, <laughs> and uh, congratulations to him for earning it. So you both yeah. win, um, and in chemical, uh, chemical engineering, no less. Yeah, that's pretty he's not, awesome. He's not going to be poor either going forward. That, that's no, a, that's another right. feather in the cap of uh, of your son, Luke. Good dadding right there. Where are we going to be, hey, Dad? Is it the, the, the Ricks building, something Ricks? Lloyd Ricks. Yes, Lloyd Ricks. No idea what that is. The chemical engineering major will know, though. I mean, I'm assuming it is a building on Mississippi State's campus. I don't know where. I was hoping you would tell me, hey, Dad. It's near the football stadium. It's uh, just right across the street from it, basically. On, uh, like, behind the east side? No, uh, east. Yeah, yeah, over that way. Like, do you know where Dorman is? Eh, ish. That's the ugly building like, that everybody yeah. can see? Yeah, like kind of over yeah. close to the Student Union, like that little area. So if you're looking at the stadium from Dorman, from the junction, Lloyd Ricks is like right over there on your right. Oh, okay. Thank you for those meticulous instructions. I'm sure they will help it. Well, that's where it is. 5.15 yeah. tomorrow morning. Can't it's wait. to find a place to park. Yeah, well, that's a good point. That's a good point. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We got more coming up with you right after this. Communication system is a go. Go. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly.
know, we've all been to the sports book at, uh, at the Golden Moon, and uh, it's fun to have a little action on a game. You want to be responsible. You don't want to overdo it. But it's fun to watch a game when you've got something riding on it beyond just being a fan. It's probably even more fun when you have something invested in a game where you have no allegiances whatsoever. Because you find yourself really pulling for one team and really hating the other team, especially if it goes poorly. And then sometimes it's hard to let go of those feelings until maybe you've got action on that other team. But again, you, you, you want to be careful about it, right? I mean, having 20 bucks on a game is, frankly, I don't know. W- would you guys agree that you can have a $20 bet on a game and you are just as invested in that game as if you have 100 mm-hmm. yep. or a 1000 on it? Money's money, man. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's not so much about the amount of money. It's just that you like you want to win. Like if you're competitive, you have picked something and you want to win. Period. But the problem is there's some people that go overboard with that. For a while now, we have known that Billy Walters book was coming out. It has been teased and teased and teased and teased. Going back to Alan Shipnick's book on Phil Mickelson a year ago, like he let you know that was coming. Well, it's now really, really close, and we've got excerpts. Um, Billy Walters alleges that over the course of the relationship that he had with Phil Mickelson, that Mickelson wagered over a billion dollars. Not won a billion dollars, not lost a billion dollars, but risked a billion dollars. Yes. Why bet billions when we can bet millions? <laughs> Nailed it. Um, That's over three decades. I mean, it, it's a billion dollars, but... <laughs> It's up for three decades, so it's fine. Yeah, and this so, is not I mean, some he was, guy. He was this risking is... about three hundred and thirty million every decade, <laughs> on average. And this this isn't just some guy. Uh, I mean, and that so thirty three million a year. That's sports wagering. That's not. That's also not counting his nights at the blackjack table either. I, I mean, that's correct. You, you knew Phil Mickelson. That's not, wait, that's not counting what's on the golf course. That too. You knew he gambling was a thing with Phil. Like it was a very poorly kept secret if it was even a kept secret. These numbers that you're about to read though shocked me. I knew he had an issue. I didn't know it was like this though. This is insane. The book says there was nothing for Phil Mickelson to bet $20,000 a game on a long shot on a five-team NBA parlay. Okay. May we just stop right there for a second? A $20,000 wager on a five-game parlay? That's that's a, that's a seven-figure payday if it hits. Yes. It should be. But do you know how rarely but, those hit? Very rare. Very rare. I, this, um, is, this is A friend of mine sent me an excerpt, a quote. This is the one that, that made me laugh the hardest. The whole crew walked down to the sports book to place our bets. 
says Candiotti, we were kind of standing around, not sure if we should let Phil go first. Finally, he says, you guys go ahead, because when I place my bets, it might move the line. Most Phil Mickelson quote ever. I mean, that is an incredible quote. I mean, fig jam at its finest. And also probably accurate. Possibly. Yeah. So so, so the rest of that story. Action, like, hold up, hold up. We got to. We got we got to do a little quick quick math here. All right, so so the rest of that story, it was a guy's trip. It was an NFL Sunday. Phil picked all of them up on his private jet Sunday morning. They flew to Vegas. They had a suite at the Bellagio waiting on them that was already prepared with a huge spread breakfast bar. Everybody having a good time. Phil has got a tip sheet that he has put together for every single NFL game that day. He shares all that information with his buddies. They go down to the sports book to place the bets. The rest of the crew, they, they place their bets. Phil does his. He goes undefeated in the early games that day and loses only like one or two in the afternoon. He's up well over a million dollars for the day. They're all ready to go home. They're supposed he's supposed to be flying everybody back to wherever they, they picked them up that day. But on the way out, he decides he wants to swing by the Baccarat table and just takes a beating and loses almost the entire million dollars that he won on the NFL that day at the Baccarat table. Said they basically had to Baccarat. lasso him and drag him out of the casino. Baccarat is a bloodbath. I, I barely know how to play. I would never go over there. That's for, like, oil money. How about this? Or, or professional golfer money. I guess, man. Um, nothing for him to bet 100000 or $200,000 a game on football, basketball, and baseball. Billy Walter says, based upon my detailed betting records and additional records provided by the sources... Here is a snapshot of Phil's gambling habit between 2010 and 2014. And this is just over a four-year period. In, in, in our language, $100 bet. You bet 110 to win 100 In In Mickelson land, he bet 110000 to win 100000 1,115 times. On 858 occasions, he bet 220000 to win 200000 The sum of those 1,973 gross wagers came to more than $311 million risked. In 2011 alone, he made 3,154 bets, an average of nine per day. <laughs> I don't do anything nine times a day other than breathe. That's it. Nine times a day. Like nine I don't eat. I don't I don't I don't I don't go to the bathroom. I don't do anything nine times a day. This man is betting nine times a day. Nine June, times. June twenty second, two thousand eleven. He made forty three bets on major league baseball resulting in $143,500 in losses. During that four-year period, he made a staggering 7,065 wagers on football, basketball, and baseball. And then there's this. 
Based on our relationship and what I've since learned from others, Phil's gambling losses approached not $40 million, as had been previously reported, but much closer to $100 million. In all, he wagered a total of more than $1 billion in the last three decades. A known That's a gambling number. addict blew my mind with gambling numbers still. Yes. Yes. I mean, even Michael Jordan's looking at him going, dude. Yeah, Phil, chill. Get some help. You know what this says to me, though? Because there are some people that try to say that, that <laughs> no Phil did, did the lift. Exactly. Like, people are like, Phil did the lift thing because he wanted to hold the PGA Tour's feet to the fire and he wanted to do what's best for the game. Shut up. He wanted to get all his gambling money back. That's what that was. He didn't have pure intentions when he took $200 million from the Saudis. He had some debts to cover. He, he owed them money. Yeah. <laughs> Phil Mickelson's career earnings on the golf course, $105,669,201. That's less than a billion, I just want to point out. It is. It's a little less. Now, That's in, a in lot fairness, less than a billion. In fairness, he was making another 40 to $60 million a year in endorsements for, for a large part of that time. Yeah, and if he didn't bet all of his money, I assume he had a really... Well, we know he had a really good stock guy, allegedly possibly too good of a stock guy. So, you know, you can turn that earnings into whatever your stock guy can do, right? I don't remember if I read this somewhere. Somebody that like is loosely associated to professional golf told me this. One, one thing Phil Mickelson always wanted was a plane. But he had an advisor, and I don't know if it was like Arnold Palmer or just somebody in the financial world that convinced him not to buy a plane early in his career. He's like, don't do it. You've got to put money away right now, and then you'll have so much money that you can buy a career. And he later in his career bought a plane. And everybody that has ever been around Phil Mickelson swears that the jet that he owned was like he loved it more than life itself. Phil Mickelson sold his plane a few years ago. Oh. Just just saying. Yeah. Sometimes you need a large amount of cash to... If you got a paid-for plane, maybe that's a good way to get a large amount of cash in a short amount of time. Sports Talk Mississippi, we're back with you. We'll wrap up the 3 o'clock hour coming up next. To the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling on Super Talk Mississippi. Interesting story at Sportico about Phil Mickelson. This is from, uh, it's back in early June. Recent Golf Week column that was critical of Lefty triggered a series of Twitter replies from Mickelson, including one to a tweet that asked about his gambling addiction. Quote, haven't gambled in years, almost a billionaire now, thanks for asking, close quote. 
Later, he later clarified that he still gambles on the golf course, but the stakes are capped at $1,000, which he defines as creating competition. They say they did some back-of-the-envelope calculations and put his net worth at an estimated $875 million. Career earnings from prize money, sponsorships, course design, and appearance fees topped a billion after Liv gave him a reported $200 million bonus spread over multiple years. Now, you remember he lost some of his big sponsors, including KPMG, Workday, and Callaway, when he left the PGA Tour, but he got the big paycheck from Liv. Said those estimates are all based on gross earnings and are distinct from net worth. Mickelson has been vocal about the dent in his bank account from California taxes and his reckless gambling habits. They point out that golfers also rack up significant expenses in independent contractors who must pay for their own travel, coaching, caddies, training, agent fees, etc. So they say, assuming that taxes and expenses eat up 75% of his annual income, which was about 50 to 60 million a year, Mickelson is left with 25% at the end of each year to buy tangible assets or invest. Turned pro in 1992, he has had a longer time horizon to build his net worth in younger athletes. Since then, the S&P 500 has risen an average of 9.8% annually, including dividends reinvested, applying that annual investment return to his disposable income results in a net worth of $875 million. That statement, by the way, if uh, if you if any of you have ever known uh, had the unfortunate pleasure of knowing somebody that's like an alcoholic, that statement right there. I don't gamble anymore, but I gamble. It's like ah, I don't drink anymore. I'm sober, but I'll have wine with dinner. Well, then you're not. Oh, I don't gamble anymore, but I, I gamble. Well, then, then yes, you do. Rationalizing love- the problem is like addict 101. I love the the Gary McCord story. This was in Alan Shipnick's book. said Gary McCord would be in the TV tower on whatever hole he was on at a particular golf tournament. And when Mickelson would get to the green, depending on the situation, McCord would look at Bones, Jim McKay, Phil's caddy for all those years, and he would give him a finger signal. It was like a 15-foot putt for par. He might flash three fingers, as in the odds are three to one. He said if it was, say, a 60-foot putt, he'd flash two fingers, which indicated two to one on a two-putt. And the, the question was, well, how did that work? And McCord says that he lost track of how many times he wadded up a $20 bill and dropped it out of the tower booth as Mickelson was walking by off the green. <laughs> oh, me. Well, I, I can't wait to read the book. Can't wait. I, I read Alan Shipnick's book last year. It was incredibly interesting. Uh, can't wait to read the Billy Walters story. And there's a lot more in there than just Phil Mickelson. Phil's just a headline grabber in all of this. So um, it is... I think it's the 15th when it is available. Is that right? Uh, The title of the book is Gambler, Secrets from a Life at Risk. So Billy Walters himself, it's available August 22nd. So you got 12 days. But they've released excerpts of it for people to review and build hype for it and all those things. 
It says the wild and highly anticipated autobiography of Billy Walters, quote, the greatest and most controversial sports gambler ever. So I think there are two chapters that are dedicated to Phil Mickelson, and the rest of it is about Billy Walters, who was a scratch golfer, like a pool table hustler, a prodigious sports gambler, like he's in a lot of ways, kind of like Phil Mickelson. I mean, you could you could be at a family picnic and see the ants trying to get to the apple on the table, and he would bet you a hundred dollars on which ant made it first, like like that kind of that kind of deal. So interesting stuff. Ceasefire text line six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. Dwayne and Brandon, does Phil still have a wife? I wouldn't with that problem. Yeah, he and Amy are still together. Uh, Jeremy says, also explains why Phil was so quick to sell out to the Live Golf Tour. It's part of the reason. Explains a lot. Um, Kelso asked what the background was on the book. Does he have Phil's permission on all of this, or is he outing him? No, he's outing him. Absolutely. Um, The numbers are staggering, but... Everybody kind of knew that that deal. Sports Talk Mississippi, 4 o'clock hour. Zach Arnett joins us on the other side of this break. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here, Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you, 4 o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort studio. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. When we last visited with Zach Arnett, it was at SEC Media Days, and that was talking season. We've made it to practice season, and soon we'll have the season season, and that's what we're all looking forward to. Uh, head coach at Mississippi State, Zach Arnett, joins us right now. Coach, thanks so much for uh, for a few minutes of time. So six straight days to start things off. Today was the first off day. Is that right on the timeline? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yep. Six straight days of practice. And that's kind of the uh, NCAA acclimation period, right? Certain, you know, two days in helmets, three days in shoulder pads and helmets, and then on your sixth day you can put on full pads. So did that yesterday, and now players have a much-deserved off day. I was struck by how much you and Will Hall, the head coach at Southern Miss, sound alike in kind of talking to the media after practice, pointing out that, you know, shorts and a helmet, that that's not football. And so it's really hard to learn. But uh, everybody trying to get to that point where you can get the, the pads on. What, what have you gotten accomplished so far in, in almost a week of practice? Yeah, well, obviously, again, uh, you know, the SLA has done some really good things that allow us to – do some walkthroughs and some on-field stuff from a on-field learning walkthrough pace throughout the off season, and so you always feel like maybe you're a little further ahead than than it used to be. Uh, most of the guys come into into training camp with a pretty good grasp of of what the day one install is going to be. You know, they've gone through it once or twice in off-season walkthroughs, but. It's day one stuff, right? So you're going back through all your day one installs from the base assignment, alignment, what your keys are, where your eyes are supposed to be, uh, everyday fundamentals, 
you know, you start from ground zero, and then obviously you're working guys into shape because once you start putting on that football equipment, right, it's just a different kind of conditioning level than than you get in the summer. And so that's kind of first six days, and you progress to hitting and, and playing football. And so uh, we're far from a finished finished product. We got we need every practice we got remaining before the first game, but you're seeing development every day, and which is obviously what you want to see as a coach. Yeah, camp is is so different than. As you alluded to a second ago, it used to be. I mean, the the days of like legitimate two a days are are completely gone. We we don't have that anymore. I, I'm curious, thinking back to your time as a player, your time as an assistant coach, how much of what you remember from camp as a player has kind of informed the way you've built camp now that you're in charge of the entire schedule. This is how we're going to do it. This is what we're going to try to get accomplished. Have you tried to kind of think back to what worked when you were a player? I don't know particularly that. You know, I'm not, I mean, I'm not the oldest guy in the world here. So my training, the training camps I was a part of, were not drastically different than they are now today. Uh, I mean, I think I can I can remember having two a days, but not they were not every single day. I think maybe at that time it was you could have a two a day, but the next day it had to be a one a day or something like that. Uh, and both practices couldn't be in full pads, things like that. So I don't, I don't think it hadn't drastically changed. I did. I think. In general, players are staying in shape year-round much better than probably ever before, right, because of the strength and conditioning programs, all the resources invested in in their year-round development. And so I think when you get a training camp, it's less about getting guys into football shape and, and uh, prepared for the physical grind of the season as it is, you know, really getting into – the scheme, right? All the the things you can do because you're for the most part your guys are pretty in shape when they come into report for camp. Coach, you've met with the media three times since since camp has begun. Uh, I was there for two of them, and then yesterday I listened to your audio when we played it live on Thunder and Lightning. Nobody has asked you a question about Will Rogers yet, not one time. So I'm going to do it right here. <laughs> what are you seeing from Will Rogers thus far in camp, and do you like the way he's acclimated to what y'all are doing offensively? Yeah, Will's doing good. I mean, he's I mean he's in, he's in control of the offense, right? He obviously going against the same defense every day. So then you start to you can almost start to game plan the looks you're going against. So he's checking checking plays from one direction to the other if he sees a certain defensive look. Getting out of uh, you know certain runs into a screen or a, a play action pass that can expose the weakness of the defense over the top, uh, or, you know, or screen if they're blitzing, you know, audible routes if the coverage, the alignment of a DB, you know, gives an easier access throw to something else, and so he's showing good mastering and kind of control of the offense. What we're trying to accomplish and. You know, obviously he's got he's got the production proof. He knows how to throw the football. He's pretty accurate with it. I mean, all the stats would, would say just that. And so, uh, we're really excited with what he's doing. We've talked to a couple of your offensive linemen. We talked to Cam Jones and and Cole Smith specifically, and they are both. I mean, to say that they're enthused about run blocking would probably be a little bit of, under, of an understatement. They're very excited about just getting out there, putting their hand in the ground, firing out, and, and being able to, to push guys where they want them to go. Do you sense that energy from the offensive line at, at practice? Do they, are they enjoying this change to a, to a little bit more of a run-based offense? I, again, I don't know if it's well, – I'm not going to speak specifically to that. 
I noticed that energy is up in practice on either side of the ball when when plays are being made, right? If the offense is moving the ball with explosive plays, whether it be throwing it or running it, that gets the energy up on everyone in offense. And when the defense is playing good defense and flying around, that gets the energy up on defense. And so, you know, you're going back to that, that offensive line portion. If if there is something that the defense a weakness that we can expose, right? If if you got a quarterback and really talented receivers and it and they can create plays in the pass game so it forces defense to play more coverage and that opens up lighter boxes with with seams in there to create explosive run plays, well then that's what we want to do. And vice versa. If we can run the ball well and efficiently and it forces lower hats in the box and more bodies to to stop the run, then that should play to our favor in creating explosive plays in the in the past game between Will and his connection with, with our receiver group. Right? That, that's what we're trying to accomplish. And anytime we're doing any of those, that seems to be really good at getting the energy up and excitement up uh, through all the offensive players. Visiting with Zach Arnett, head football coach at Mississippi State. Six days into camp. Today was the first off day and uh, kind enough to spend a few minutes with us this afternoon. Zach, what when you think about the balance for needing to be physical in camp and needing to hit and needing to tackle to the ground some, I'm sure, with trying to keep your guys as healthy and as fresh because you know what the grind of a season is like, how do you balance those two to get the work done that you need on the physical side of the game but also keep your team as healthy and as fresh as you can going into the start of the year? Yeah, that's interesting. I actually just got out before I got on Got on this interview. I just got out of a meeting discussing just that. Uh, I mean, I think it's something you're constantly, constantly weighing the pros and cons. But yes, you got to play some live football. You got to scrimmage and tackle to the ground because how do you, how do you evaluate players, right? If they're going to be able to, to play for you and play live football on Saturdays, if you don't get do a little bit of it in camp, uh, and then there are certain guys who, who played football for you. You know what they can do. You know, let's take a, let's take a. Buki Watson and Jet Johnson on defense. Well, I mean, I got I got 13 games of film of them last year, and even more than that from the year before of playing live football in games. They're probably not going to get a whole bunch of live scrimmage reps, right? Likewise, let's say Woody Marks at tailback. Uh, I think it's a little bit of if you got a body of work, a proven body of work in your career already, maybe it's it's not as necessary to get a whole bunch of live scrimmage rush with those guys and you got any unproven guys you know you got you got to see them play you got to how do you get better playing football well you play football and so uh, that is the balance that every coach is is constantly weighing out as you through training camp and as you get close to the first game how many times will you guys scrimmage during camp between now and the the start of the season well you're allowed you're allowed three by NCAA rules okay so you so you get three of those and then is there a limit I mean I is there a time limit, or you, you kind of are able to work within what you want to do in terms of a script of a hundred plays, or however many it is? Yeah, you know, you're 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 capped at a certain amount of time that practice can be, right? And then I think the definition of a scrimmage by the rules is maybe no more than seventy percent of those live period of the periods of live tackling. I think is the definition of it. But uh, I think any coach, if you ask any coach in football. There, there's more than enough opportunity scrimmage because, again, like I said, you know, for the most part, you kind of know who your guys are. Uh, you know, when you got a returning 
returning veteran team, and you don't need a whole bunch of live football reps on those guys. So uh, I don't think it, no one no one is having any trouble getting getting enough scrimmage reps as you go into the first game because, like you said, season's long. There's always going to be nicks and bruises and come up. Right, you want to take a fresh, fresh, healthy team, fast team into the first game. Zach, we appreciate your time so much. Know it's a busy time and uh, means a lot that you spent a few minutes with you. Last thing, how many hours a night are you sleeping during camp? Is it more or less than four? Oh, I get a little more than that, yeah. Okay. I, I wish I was one of those guys who could operate on just four, but I would say I'm probably <laughs> pull, pulling into the house sometime, you know, between 11 and 12, and then getting out of the house around six. So, okay. yeah, I'm getting probably good good. Six, six a night, that's, that's plenty right now. Good for you. Thanks so much for your time. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you very much. Hail State. Zach Arnett, head football coach at Mississippi State on the Farm Bureau guest line. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. It doesn't get any better than this. On Super Talk Mississippi. Conversation with Zach Arnett, head football coach at Mississippi State. Six straight days of practice to start things off. I think he said, what, uh, two in shorts, three in just shoulder pads, and then uh, yesterday they went to full pads for the first time. Get the day off, said his guys had a much-deserved day off after what they've done. He did not take the uh, bait from Brian Haydad on you know committing fully to this being a run-based offense with offensive line firing off the ball. I'm not going to really gonna speak to that. But, yes, our guys are energized and excited. He needs to get onto his social media team then because, like, uh, I saw a video yesterday of uh, a snap under center into play action. Uh, if you're going to try to tell people the offense isn't changing, then you shouldn't have your social media team showing videos of under center play action passes. You got to get them to I, I hide that stuff, man. I think we're talking to Barbe next week. I want to get an idea from because I, 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 the interview with Tom Hart is another example of that, where, where people talk about being under center and all. And I just want to like ask him how many snaps per game do you, per, you know, never mind goal line, do you expect to be under center? Because I'm gonna bet, be I'm gonna bet if if, they, if state runs 70 plays, less than than f- 10 of them will be under center. I mean, his offense is shotgun based. There's a lot of pistol. I mean. I, 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 it, the, the fast. I understand that you know there are going to be some plays under center, but it's, I think I think people are making that out as, as too big a thing. <sighs> yeah. Who cares? <laughs> uh, it, because you know, I, I. Well, I mean, it is something because it's Mississippi State has not taken a snap under center since 2017. Moorhead did not believe in it. Leach obviously did not believe whoa, 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 in it. It hasn't whoa, happened. Whoa. Not one? Not one. Really? Yeah. Not on a quarterback sneak, a goal line from the nope. six-inch line, Mm-mm. a fourth and nope. the Buddy, length of fourth a Fourth as far was out of the gun every time. Not a one. Hmm. Not one. You know, I mean, I mean, I don't, and I don't know where you have to go back to find. I mean, maybe in the bowl game there was a goal. You know, in 2017, Keaton was the quarterback for that one. 
I don't know, but Moorhead was famous for second about talking about how he never wanted to play under center, didn't practice it even, and Leach is the same way. So, so if they take if they only take five snaps under center, it's not a big deal, but it's also five snaps more than they took the previous season. So, yeah, I get it. Uh, some situational stuff that they'll do along the way. So, um. Anything stand out to you? I'm pretty straightforward there. I mean, not like a bunch of surprises, yeah. but always nice to get kind of a camp update. And he, you would he and Coach Hall both just very, very straightforward, very, uh, very football guy in in the good way. And you know, I mean, he's probably already itching to get back on the practice field tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, the 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 vet days. He he didn't call them that, but that's what they. They call it in the NFL. Kind of what uh, they are, though, yeah. That that stood out to me a little bit. It's, um, you know, a lot of college coaches take different things from other people, and, and a lot of college coaches take stuff from the NFL. It, you know, somebody will get on to me about bringing up Old Miss into a Zach Arnett conversation, but but Kiffin has the, the NFL approach in camp to where the, the practices are, are not as physical. It's more about teaching. That's a very NFL thing. Arnett's got physical practices, but the veteran guys are not having to do the same things as the guys that are, quote-unquote, trying to earn a spot. Now, they already have a spot. College is not the NFL. But Cam Jordan isn't out there doing one-on-ones all day and getting killed. But the third-string defensive end, who may or may not make the 53, is. And so different, they're different guys and different philosophies, but I heard a little bit of NFL in both of those. It's, you don't need Watson out there running inside drill all day. You know that he can do that. You need his backup to do yeah. that to see if he can actually play. Yeah. Seaspire text line amazes me the love for Arkansas, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, which State beat last year, and State has 15 starters returning. But for some reason, State's going to fall off, and those teams are going to get better. Shocking. And that's kind of what, you know, going back to that interview I mentioned with, with Tom Hart, which is available on the Thunder and Lightning podcast feed, where he talked about, you know, st- State would need to overachieve and other teams would need to underachieve for State to have a, an overachieving season. And I didn't think of it at the time, and I wish I had, but I said, said to myself, State beat everybody in the West last year except Alabama and LSU. They finished third. They beat, he, he brought up Texas and Ar- Texas A&M and Arkansas. State beat those teams last year. It's the other way around. Those teams need State to be down so that they can move up because State finished ahead of them last year. Yeah. You just didn't want to be argumentative? Were you intimidated or what? I, 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 I'll tell you something. Did you listen to the interview? I have not. not All yet. right, so we had a funny moment. I was not intimidated, first and foremost. But... Uh, I asked him, the question was basically like, you know, when we think about the SEC schedule and these big games like LSU-Alabama and Georgia-Tennessee, and I said, you know, we've been talking a lot about South Carolina versus Mississippi State, and that's a big game for both of those teams. That's a game that I could see you calling, Tom, in a few weeks. And he was like, wait a minute. You just said that these are the big games, but now you're saying I'm going to be calling this other game that doesn't matter. And I just I paused for a second. I said, Richard, Richard wrote that question. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Well, well done. Um, I mean, it, 
it's not like the SEC Network night game is exactly high on the pecking order. I know, but but he but he did make a good point. He was he was he was like, so I'm not calling big games. I was like, yeah, you, you got a point. Sometimes you don't. Yeah, you sometimes don't. you don't. Well, I mean, he's first week one. He's doing Alabama, Middle Tennessee State. That's not a big game. Oh heck yeah, just, just not. I said, Tom, you'll have plenty of time for local color with that one. Well, and the the truth of the matter is. You're about three or four weeks in, sometimes five weeks in, before SEC Network games turn into good games. Because the truth is, it's not until you get until those weeks where basically every game involving a league team is a league game that you get Florida at Kentucky, that you get Mississippi State, South Carolina, or right. you know, Ole Miss, Arkansas, or whatever. You know, fill in, fill in the blank for what those it And that's a great time slot, but it's about, what, fifth on the pecking order? Fourth or fifth? Yeah. So, some of those games they've had have been so good, though. They have had good ones. I mean, I mean, think about it. They, they had this Tennessee game. They were in Lexington back-to-back nights. What was it, two years ago when Kroger Field was completely sold out? Spoiler alert, the SEC is deep, and the game lineups on given weekends are also very deep. Yeah, some, some, some weeks it's really – what was it, two years ago in Lexington? Didn't they go back-to-back SEC Saturday night, like LSU one week, and the next week it was Kentucky, or, or was Florida – or maybe it's Florida and then LSU the next week, something like that. Just insane atmospheres. Oh. Yeah. Um, if how about this? I just I, I picked a Saturday, September thirtieth. Right. This is the SEC on September thirtieth. Florida at Kentucky, Georgia at Auburn, Missouri Vanderbilt, whatever. South Carolina at Tennessee, Alabama at Mississippi State, Arkansas A and M, LSU at Ole Miss. I just picked a Saturday and just went down and yeah. Um, reading between the lines here, but no, I'm not. These these are projected. So that crew will have back to back weekends in Mississippi in September. They're doing Arizona Mississippi State on week two, and then they'll turn the around ninth, and do Ole Miss yeah. Georgia Tech week three. So there you go. I want the the that week that week you just said. I don't know how I would want to. I would think State Alabama 11 a.m. and then I want Ole Miss LSU that night and then Richard get me a ticket. I'll come watch the game with you. Oh, that'd be cool. What week is that? Thirtieth September 30th, week five. Have you already got an ESPN assignment for that? I mean, I'll be somewhere. I don't know. Maybe it'll. Maybe I'll have a. Maybe I'll have like an 11 a.m. game in Birmingham or something like that. And then. And, if and if that if this happens, I'll watch the game with you. We can get some content out of that, but I would just love to see Ole Miss LSU too. So, all right, what's it? Hmm. So I was just quickly looking at the. Eh, probably not. Can you get Memphis that weekend, maybe. Boise State, Memphis. That'll be on real TV. As my father-in-law still likes don't, to say from time to time, don't sell yourself so short. No, 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 it's no, it's no, not. No I mean, so so the American Conference slate that week is there's a, there's a Thursday night game on ESPN. UAB at Tulane, Charlotte yeah. at SMU, East Carolina at Rice, Boise State at Memphis, Abilene Christian at North Texas. 
Well, I'll just take your ticket then and sit with whoever. If we could get Charlotte at SMU for an 11 a.m. kickoff, I could be back in Oxford for for a night game. That'd be great. That'd be fun. That would be, be fantastic. Fun. Sports Talk Mississippi up. with you streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Let's pick up the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Ceasefire text line is open to you at 601-879-4395. Best of wireless, best of home internet, the best of business IT services. Ceasefire's got you covered on all of that. Mississippi-based company that has stayed in Mississippi, that is committed to Mississippi, that has invested billions of dollars into infrastructure right here in Mississippi. Learn more about them online at Ceasefire. Dot com. Let's pick up the countdown. 100 teams in 100 days. This day is bananas. Eat bananas. <laughs> 100 teams in 100 days. Okay, ready? Three, two, one, go! It's the final countdown. Yeah, 100 ish teams in 100 days. Team number 25. On the countdown, the Kansas State Wildcats. Kansas State is the perfect example of something that I talk about sometimes that I'm kind of passionate about. When you're hiring coaches, forget the splash. The obsession with the splash drives me crazy. You know what Kansas State did? They went and found a guy that's a championship-winning football coach. Not, they got a winner. Not at the Division One level, of course not. But they went and hired a guy that wins and wins and wins and wins some more. Just because his name's not going to get headlines on ESPN doesn't mean he's not a good ball coach. And look at what they have become since they've done that. When you they've hire won. somebody, go win football games. Go get a winner. want to point they, out, though, want to point out, that's not really their fight song. I want to hear the Wabash Cannonball if you're going to play Kansas State's fight song. Well, that Come might on. be the actual fight song. That was the actual that's, fight song. That's like, that's like Go Vols Go versus Rocky Top. Yeah, that's it's, exactly it's, right. Or down the, isn't Dale yeah. the Field? Isn't that what it's called? I thought it's, it's called Tennessee's? Go Vols Go. I, I'm not sure, though. Uh, it's really cool. There. Yeah, it's really cool, and they do. It's cool in the stadium when they do that, or at least it looks cool in the stadium when they do that. But it's the second best version of Wabash Cannonball in the Big Twelve. Wabash Cannonball is coming to the SEC next year yeah. with the show band of the Southwest, the Texas Longhorn Marching Band. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's the band that that is that much better, or it's the like the the chaps on the the uniform that the uh, the dance team wears? I, I don't know. <laughs> All I know is at the end of the third quarter, I was standing right in front of the Texas band, and right in front of me was the Texas 
that dance team, and their Bevo's right over there, and they get going on Wabash Cannonball, and I mean, they, they, you, like it, there was, it was a scene, the, brother. It was a scene. The eyes of Richard were upon them. Uh, you know, those are your words. All the mine. live long day. No, <laughs> do you realize that uh, Chris Kleiman has led Kansas State to 30 wins in his first four seasons? He's a good coach. And that includes a four-win season. Starkville in year one and won that year. Eight and five, four and six, eight and five, ten and four in four years. Thirteen starters returning, eight on offense, five on defense, quarterbacks coming back. Will Howard's numbers were eh, pretty good last year. He took over for Adrian Martinez when it was all said and done. Threw for fifteen <laughs> touchdowns, picked off only four times. What are you laughing about? The voyage of Adrian, Adrian Martinez. Martinez, man. That guy between him and JT Daniels and Keaton Slovis, my goodness. I mean, after this year, they will be eligible for all AARP benefits, I think. Feels like they've been in college <laughs> foosball for a long time. Long time. I don't think we've said it. Tell me about the reigning Big 12 champs in Kansas State. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's correct. They were good last year. Really they beat good. TCU in the championship game. They did. And lined up and beat them, too. No, gave, no gimmick about that. yeah. yeah. And they gave Alabama, for a half, gave them a game, and then finally Alabama just took them apart. But they, they were leading that game at one point. I mean, they were, they were in it. Yeah, that was a clear difference in available athletes that day in New Orleans. Yeah. So, four losses last year. They lost in week three to Tulane, 17-10. to 10. Turned out to be a pretty good Tulane team. They lost by 10 to TCU in the regular season, 38-28. They lost by a touchdown, 34-27 to Texas at home, and then they lost to Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. So that was a 10-4. Wins last year over South Dakota, Missouri, Oklahoma. And that's when we kind of took notice, because at that point, Oklahoma was ranked sixth in the country. Probably not where they should be ranked, but that's where they were ranked. They beat a pretty good Texas Tech team. They won at Iowa State 10-9. Hooey! 10-9. They beat Oklahoma State, Kansas State did, 48 to nothing. 48 nothing. That's, that's pretty bad. That's such a beat down. Yeah. They went to Baylor and beat Baylor 31 to three. They beat West Virginia and then they beat Kansas in the, uh, what is it, like the Sunflower State Showdown or something? Does that, does that game have a name? I believe it is the Sunflower Showdown, yes. I believe that's uh, right. And then 31-28 in overtime it over is, TCU yeah. in the Big 12 championship game. Here's the schedule this year for K-State. And by the way, they have a massive piece to replace. Deuce Vaughn yeah. was exceptional. He had nine touchdowns on the ground, 1,558 yards rushing last year. And Deuce Vaughn's now on an NFL roster. And... What a joy to watch he was. Because, oh, man, it's great. This is going to sound insulting. He's just so small that yes. watching him run on a college football field was almost funny because he never took big hits, and he was so elusive and fast. It, it looked like, you know those Kyler Murray photoshops where they shrink him down with a football like two times the size of his body? That's what, I'll take your word for it. That's what Deuce Vaughn looked like on the field in real life, yeah. and just... Nobody could tackle him, and, and just what a great player. He is the number two all-time rusher at Kansas State, and he only trails a guy that he has been compared to, 
former Kansas State running back Darren Sproles. Darren Sproles. Yeah. And uh, he's a new weapon for Dak, by the way. I don't know if you knew where he ended up, but uh, he's a Cowboy. Yeah. 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 And, and note, um, Deuce Vaughn, in some of his formative years, was in Oxford, Mississippi, when his dad, Chris Vaughn, was, was on Houston Nutstaff at Ole Miss. Yeah, played youth league baseball. I know that. Uh, other stuff in Oxford. Yeah. Five foot five, 179 pounds was his official height and weight. He can scoot. Yeah, he can. Good grief, can he scoot. All right, here's the schedule for Kansas State. They open with SEMO. I got Troy in week two. Kind of an inter- interesting game there. They go to Missouri in week three. Is that a neutral site? Is that the one where Missouri's playing in, in like in Kansas City? No. That they're playing Memphis there. Oh, that that's game right. is that game is a, is a home was a home and home. That, that should be at Kansas State this year, I think. All right. No, no, it's at Missouri. So that's in Como. Okay. Okay. Those are tough back to back games for them. Troy and Missouri on yeah. the road in week two. Yeah. They are. Then they jump into Big Twelve play. UCF home game on September twenty third, open date. Road trip to Oklahoma State for a Friday night game, followed by a road trip to Lubbock the next week. Then they get consecutive home games with TCU in Houston. They go to Texas, host Baylor, go to Kansas, host Iowa State. So I looked it up because I was I had piqued my curiosity. When do you think the last time State and Ole Miss beat a conference opponent by forty plus points is? Ooh. Ole Miss gets to play Vanderbilt every year. I, I'm, I'm tr- it's, it's not. It's, it's not, not Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. I, I feel like it was one of the Hugh Freeze teams. Not you a conference farther back. Really? So State is 2018 against Arkansas. They beat them 52-6 to in Starkville. If I read this right, and I, I, mean, I, may, I may have missed one, if I read it right, it's the 2008 Egg Bowl for Ole Miss. Now, they've won some games by 35, 38 in there. But did did, did Henning just get sacked again? I was Tyson Lee. Henning was gone by then. Oh. Tyson Lee that <laughs> nearly broke his will to live. That was that was the night that Jackie Sherrill cussed the punter, right? Oh, Kroon was the head coach there. So I wasn't around I think then. I, I, w- I wouldn't hear then. You're thinking of 02. Or no, you're thinking of, of 2000. When he dropped that punt, yeah. You son of a... I've only seen the highlights of that Egg Bowl. Was that expected to happen? No. I I mean, I I thought Ole Miss was going to win, but not like that. And I've said it many times, if Houston Nutt could go back in time, he'd have found a way to win 21-17. But that was... You think if it had been respectable, Kroon would have stayed on? They might not have fired him. Yeah, I think it was too embarrassing. I mean, State had negative 57 yards rushing in the game. They sacked Tyson Lee, I think, seven times, nearly killed him. They sent Chris Relf in, and he threw a couple passes, and you were just like, your guess is as good as mine where that ball's going. Never forget that. Hmm. By the way, in the uh, in the 5 o'clock hour, starting out today with the 5 o'clock, uh, the college football fix, we will rank the top. 10 Ole Miss and Mississippi State teams combined from 1992 to present. Looking forward to debating that with Mr. Brian Haydad. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back. 
You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Back on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. I was reading the game story from that 2008 Egg Bowl. Ooh. <laughs> that's, that's, like, that's like a snuff film. I mean, that's just not pleasant. There's a, there's a line in here, or a paragraph in here. The Ole Miss defense was even more impressive, hitting Mississippi State's quarterbacks on nine of their first ten pass attempts. Intercepting nine, two of their first nine. five passes and knocking starter Tyson Lee from the game twice with a bruised shoulder and a cut to his face, though he later returned. Hmm. I think the worst part was the Jarrell Poe interception. That was when I was just like, I, I don't know how much more of this I can take. I was getting ready to walk back home to Starkville. Parade Jerry had two sacks. Greg Hardy had three. Jarrell Poe had one mm-hmm. and a half. Brutal. I mean, there's not a Parade single. Jerry and, and, said, <laughs> Parade Jerry said he never felt sorry for the Mississippi State quarterbacks who took a merciless beating. This is an AP story. Quarterbacks get it easier than anybody else in practice. So when you get them in the game, you got to make them pay. Jerry said. Well, they did. And don't forget, Brandon McCray broke his leg in that game. Horrific injury there. I mean, just just an awful day. Nothing good. Oh well, something good came out of it. State crossed midfield twice, and the second time they were quickly pushed back across the 50 by a personal foul penalty. Have you ever heard the Jack Crystal uh, lines from this game? I don't guess I have. Is that the the sonic drive of the game? Is my drive home? Is no, that, that game? it's not. No, that was against Alabama. All right, here we go. I'll, I'll read you some of my favorites. These are all from the game. The QB and the receiver weren't on the same page there, but hey, it's only week 11. Jeez. Ole Miss just scored, and we don't know who scored because number 85 isn't listed on their roster. It's academic at this point. It's third down in so long, you will need surveying equipment to see how much is needed for a first down. There are only 45 seconds left. Maybe Ole Miss won't score another touchdown in the first quarter, that is. Ole oh. Miss has punted once today for a grand total of 12 yards. They ought to improve on that with this next punt. Uh, mercifully, the clock continues to run. At about three minutes left, many fans are long gone. In fact, some of them have probably are probably already home by now. Well, that's only a loss of nine, so it's only third and 19. <laughs> the Bulldogs, this is my favorite one. Well, the Bulldogs take a delay of game. That backs them up to the four, where it'll be fourth and 31. We just wanted to make sure McAdams had plenty of room to kick the ball because he has such a powerful leg. McAdams was one of the worst punters in the world. And then he, he did he did throw it in there. He said, the sonic drive of the game, my drive home to Tupelo. I guarantee you that is my drive of the game. Then he proceeded to give his home address. Did he really? He was on fire that day, yes. It was 24 nothing at the end of the first quarter. 
Yeah, um, yeah, I was there. It was, yeah, I remember. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That 2018 for Mississippi State didn't make my top ten. I'll just go ahead and let you know. I am. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. It yeah, was really fun. fun, kind of going back through season by season. And so, so how many, how many state teams do you have in the running for being in the top ten? Four. Really. Hmm. Okay. I made note of. I made note of seven from Ole Miss since 1992. So somebody's not getting in. Yeah. Sounds like a hot debate coming. Yeah, maybe. I'm interested in this, though. Uh, because I, I hate that I don't have that lifetime experience like you guys do to remember this. I, I wish I could be a part, but I'm, I'm excited to listen to this debate. Yeah. I just feel like Ole Miss has had higher highs in this time frame. State's been more consistent, especially over the last decade. Yeah, but Ole Miss has had higher highs. Might have had the but lowest had low lows also. too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, two and ten is pretty yeah. low, isn't it? State's got a two and ten in the last twenty. It's it's not it's not pleasant. The last thirty, I should say. What year? Oh three, Jackie's last year. Oh. Uh, that was that was not well received either because that coincided with Ole Miss winning ten games that season. Not a, not, not a fun year to be in, to be a Bulldog fan that year. How many total sacks were there that night in Oxford in 08? I think I think it's nine. I could be wrong. I, State I don't had know why nine, that... nine nine and ninety six, and I I don't know if that's still a record or not. Okay. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, 5 o'clock hour coming up. So if uh, if you were not with us yesterday, yesterday we put together an all-SEC offense and defense, although it was an all-Mississippi offense and defense, since the SEC went to 12 teams, so 1992. Today we're going to take the 10 best seasons from the last 30 years for Ole Miss and Mississippi State, and try and make ourselves a top ten list. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoon starting at 3 on supertalk.fm, the Super Talk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. o'clock hour with you at Sports Talk Mississippi on this Thursday. Thanks, as always, for being with us. You can be a part of the conversation on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Protect and connect, or connect and protect. It's the all-new plan from C Spire, the phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you. Uh, track your kids' location, restrict content, limit screen time, and help protect them online. Plus, right now, you can get iPhone 12 for less than $11 a month or get a free TCL Stylus 5G, no trade-in needed. Learn more at cspire.com. Cspire, customer-inspired. Coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, 
home of the Nancy Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. Book your tee time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Learn more at pearlriverresort.com. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. As we get closer to the start of football season, be sure that you're ready to look your best in the Grove, in the Junction, or at the Rock with Genteel's Collegiate Collection. Get Ole Miss gear, state gear, Southern Miss gear, golf shirts, pullovers, vests, whatever it is that you need, they can take care of it. Genteelapparel.com. Get 20% off, or maybe it's 25% off, some uh, end-of-season merchandise that's on sale on their website and free shipping on an online order. That is it. Genteelapparel.com. Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's do it. College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. And remember, the summer sales event is going on right now. Great savings on Ford trucks and SUVs at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. So the exercise is this. There have been 60 seasons played in the last 30 years between Mississippi State and Ole Miss. What are the 10 best seasons? Now, hey, Dad, do we need to go like 1 through 10 on this? Or do we need to say these are the 10 best, sort them out? Oh, I ranked mine. Okay. Um, what if we do it this way? What, what if we start by you giving me all of the seasons that you have under consideration for Mississippi State for top 10 okay. of the last 30 years, and then I'll give you the ones that mm-hmm. I've got for Ole Miss, and then we'll decide how they should be ordered. Okay. Uh, for State, I have 99, 2014, 98, and 2010. All right, so 99, 10-2, mm-hmm. SEC championship game appearance, Peach Bowl win. No, wrong. What? They didn't play oh, in the championship that year. No. What year did State go to the title game? Was that 98? year before? 98, yes, yes. Oh, Better overall record didn't make the title game in '99. Right. Right. Okay. Sorry. Okay. No so '98, eight and five, SEC championship game appearance, lost to Tennessee, played Texas in the Cotton Bowl, lost to Ricky Williams in Texas in the Cotton Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. '99 team went ten and two, and had a Peach Bowl win over Clemson. Clemson. It's Michael okay. Borky's favorite Mississippi State team. It is. Clanga, 20, clanga, clanga. 2014, I don't know if you know this or not, but Mississippi State was the first ever team that was ranked number one in the college football playoff poll. I did know that. Team finished 10-3, and 10-2 and in the regular season, lost to Georgia Tech in the Orange Bowl. Mm-hmm. And then what was the other one you had? 2010. Nine and four. That was year two for Dan Mullen. Correct. Year two for Dan Mullen. Nine and four. Win in the Gator Bowl. Mm-hmm. 
got to as high as number 15 that year. All right, I want to ask you about a couple of seasons that you did not include. Sure. Um, last year's team that went 9-4? and four. Yeah, they, they, they're an honorable mention. I mean, but that team, they had a bad loss to Kentucky. Uh, I mean, up, going up into the Egg Bowl, they they would they would never have been in the discussion. But they win the Egg Bowl, and that kind of puts them in, and then they win the bowl game. Okay. Um, 2017, Dan Mullins last year, that was a nine-win team. They got their ninth win in the Tax Slayer Bowl. Played really well in yeah. that game. Ranked yeah. as high in the college football playoff poll as 14 that season. Mm-hmm. Finished, I think, 17th that year. Um, they were they were my first cut. They they would be 11 if I had an 11th team. 2015 nine win season beat what NC State in the Belt Bowl. Yes, Dax last year. Interesting fact though, State goes four and four in the league that year. They finished sixth in the West at four and four. What a year for the West that was. Uh, and that team finished unranked as well. So, um, what about the '94 team? Jackie Sherrill coach team won eight games, went to the Peach Bowl, and I believe lost to North Carolina in that game. Is that right? North Carolina State that year. North Carolina State. Okay. Gotcha. They lost to North Carolina in the 92 Peach Bowl. Really? Yeah. That was the first year of the Georgia Dome. I believe that's correct, yes. Okay. There we go. All right, so those are the contenders for Mississippi State from Haydad's list. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm just going to do these um, in order. Okay. 1992 Ole Miss finished the regular season 8-3. and three. That was the game that had the stand at the end of the Egg Bowl, cold, spitting snow in, so, in 92, and then Ole so Miss went on to the... that's your number seven team, right? You said you had seven teams? No, no, I'm just doing them in, in going back to 1992 and working my way forward. Okay, I got you, I got you. I'm just, got you. I'm just going to give you the the seven that I've got. Okay. 92 so, is on so, my list. Yeah. Um, Billy Brewer, Liberty Bowl win. Mm-hmm. 99. Uh, Independence Bowl okay. win, David Cutcliffe. That was an 8-4 and four team. Probably mm-hmm. not making the cut, but just one that was there. Yeah. 2003, 10-3 season, mm-hmm. Eli Manning's senior year. If they beat LSU, they win the West. They did not beat LSU. They did not win the West. Uh, they did win the Cotton Bowl. Beat uh, beat Texas Tech in the Cotton mm-hmm. Bowl that year. Um, On my list. 2008. That was a 9-4 and four Ole Miss team that won the Cotton Bowl over Texas Tech. Highest ranking that season was 14. Mm-hmm. I actually want to... On my list. I want to come back and talk about that team. 2014, 9-4... Okay. and four, Ranked as high as number three. Um, beat Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl, but then lost to TCU in the Peach Bowl. And it was not close. No, they're on my list, though. 2015, 10-3 team. Ranked as high as third in the country uh, in the AP poll. That Hugh Freeze team won the Sugar Bowl. Um, mm-hmm. They had a chance to... Uh, to play in the SEC championship game that year, didn't they? I think. Had a chance. Can't remember what happened. They, they, uh, they beat Alabama. <laughs> they beat Alabama, Auburn, and LSU. Mm-hmm. And, and Mississippi did not, State. And Mississippi State. And did not go 
to the SEC championship. That is a true statement. Tough. And then the 2021 team, two years ago, 10-3 yeah. team, obviously it finished on a sour note with the loss in the Sugar Bowl. So Right. So I have six of those seven on my list. The, the, the 99 team didn't make my list. Yeah. And, and the 99 team would be my first cut also. Yeah. yeah. All right, so, so you, you rank them one through ten. Mm-hmm. What's your number one overall? 2015 Ole Miss. Okay. Winning the Sugar Bowl, ten wins. What do they finish ranked? I don't know if you said. Had to be top ten. They were ranked as high as third in the uh, as number three in the country. Uh, they finished in. They, uh, they finished number ten in the yeah. AP poll and number twelve that, in the college football correct, final poll. If I'm correct, tenth would be the highest of any of these teams to have finished. So that that's my number one. Okay. Who's dead? Who, what's number ten? Ninety-two Ole Miss. Nine and th- I'd forgotten that team went nine and three. Yeah, I agree with you on the uh, on the twenty fifteen as being the the number one overall. Mm-hmm. Number two for you is who? Well, why don't we talk about that when we come back from this break? Isn't that a tease? There, he's wow. learning. Oh, the turntables, Sports Talk Mississippi, with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We'll be right back. Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. If you're looking for a new truck, then Belk Ford is the place to go. They've got a great selection of F-150s. Belk Ford in Oxford, located on Highway 6 West. That is just west of the Jackson Avenue interchange as you're coming into town from Batesville on the, uh, the right side or the south side of the highway. Great selection of F-150s. Got some uh, got some expeditions on the lot. Got some Broncos on the lot. Great lineup of used vehicles as well. So regardless of where you are in the state of Mississippi, it's worth it to make the trip. Family-owned business. Since uh, 1961, Belk Ford has been a Ford dealership, and uh, they will treat you like family as well. Great service after the sale. A newly renovated and expanded service department to help get you in and out from routine maintenance to more complicated issues that you may have with your vehicle. You can find them online at belkford.net, but do yourself a favor. Stop by and see them in person. Tell them we sent you. Sports Talk Mississippi and Belk Ford on Highway 6 West in Oxford. All right, so back to our list. Um, we've got 2015 Ole Miss as the number one team on the list. 
We've got 1992 Ole Miss as the number 10 team on the list. So we got to fill in two through nine. You want me to tell you who I've got for number two, or do you want to you want to go first? I went first the last time, so you go first here. I have 1999 Mississippi State. That's who a, I have. A, a ten and two. Would you guys Mississippi stop agreeing State. with each other? I got a wrinkle <laughs> in a second that I think is going to cause some. I don't know. Um, ten and two. Six and two in the conference, ranked as high as eight during the season, finished the year ranked 13th nationally, won the Peach Bowl, probably Jackie Sherrill's best coaching job in his tenure at Mississippi yeah. State. And Joe Lee Dunn's. That was the nation's number one defense. Ah, there you go. There you go. Who uh, have you got as number three? I have 2014 Mississippi State. Hmm. That was that, the of well, that's not who I have. No, it's not. I've I've got them slated at five. And here's okay. the thing: I think the Orange Bowl performance left such a bad taste in my mouth for yeah. for that particular team that it was just like I, I don't know how to get past that. I don't know how you um, can taste anything after that Peach Bowl performance earlier in the day. Yeah. I have the 2014 Ole Miss well, team ranked well below that 2014 Mississippi State team as well. I've got I just 2003 look at it in terms Ole Miss of at, at number three. That's fair. I don't. I mean, I don't. I see where you're going. I just see you know a team that was number one in the nation for for four weeks. The problem is they don't have anything to show for it. They didn't even win the Egg Bowl. Right. I mean, from number one in the nation to lose the final two times we see them that year, I don't see how that yeah, can be the third best team out of this four. thirty-year window. Um, I get what you're saying. Uh, who do you have as number four? Twenty twenty-one Ole Miss. They could have been number uh, number one. If they had uh, won the Sugar Bowl. Could have been. Absolutely, could have been. I have twenty twenty-one Ole Miss would have been... at number six. That's surprising. I'm interested to hear the rest of your, your your take now. All right, let, let me go back to my number four. And this is the one that a lot of people are going to be like, whoa, 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 hold on a second, Richard. Because I'm taking a little bit of liberty here. I went 2008 okay. Ole Miss as number four. So okay. that was Houston Nuts' first year. And that team kind of sputtered out of the gates. That's I don't Vanderbilt. know that. I don't know that there is a team, Ole Miss or Mississippi State, in the this 30-year window, this 60 seasons of football, that played better football in the final month of the season plus the postseason than that Ole Miss team did. Jevin Sneed was playing at a high level. Everything they were doing offensively was working. Defensively, they were mauling people. And that was the team that went to the Cotton Bowl and faced that Texas Tech team that was... Wait, you're wrong. Was, oh, was that, that Texas that... Tech or was that... Okay, so we, we no, got no, it wrong on 2003. We were wrong yeah. on 2003 earlier. Okay. Yeah, 2003 was Oklahoma They State? lost to Texas Tech in the regular season, but they beat Oklahoma State in the Cotton Bowl. That's right. Beat Oklahoma State in the Cotton Bowl. My apologies. 
The 2008 Texas Tech team was coached by Mike Leach, and that was mm-hmm. the one where like the the FPI gave them a 96% chance to win the game or something, and you had the Ole Miss player holding the dry erase board up on the sideline that was like 96% said we couldn't, they were all wrong, yeah, whatever it was. Yeah. But Texas Tech Texas jumped Tech out early not, in that they, game. Yeah. And then Ole Miss then just, just flipped a switch and beat them like a drum for the rest of the day. Yeah. They just have trouble putting a team that lost to Vanderbilt. I understand that they got better as the season long went along. but Yeah, if you were – what form was this team in at the end of the oh, season? Eight. That might be number oh, one. Oh, lost to Vanderbilt. Mm. Yeah. So sputtering out of the gate would be putting it mildly. It, it was not good. Yes. At, at, but that, you remember that was the transition year. That was from from Ed Ogeron to to Houston Nutt and. Uh, yeah, that Florida game is sandwiched in between a loss to Vanderbilt and a loss to a really bad South Carolina team. Yeah, it's weird. Jeez. Mm. Both of which at home, by the way. All right, so Oof. here's my order. I've got 2015 Ole Miss, 99 Mississippi State, 03 Ole Miss, 08 Ole Miss. 2014 State, 2021 Ole Miss, 2014 Ole Miss, 98 State. There's another state when I'm missing there. Uh, 2010 2010 State. Okay. And then 92 Ole Miss. So mine is 2015 Ole Miss, 99 State, 14 State. 21 Ole Miss, 98 State. You got got to have the, the. There's one team on this list that played. I know, in Atlanta. but they won eight have games. I know they lost. I know they. Yeah, they won eight games in an 11 game regular season. They lost the. They lost the eventual national champions in the SEC championship game, and they lost to Ricky Williams playing his final college game ever in the Cotton Bowl. I can forgive it. I can. They forgive lost it. five games that year. I get it, but they won the SEC West that year, and it, they were six and two in the West. They weren't. Yeah. A lot of people think they had three losses. They lost a non-conference game to Oklahoma State that year. Yeah, I have them fifth. I have ninety-eight okay. State fifth, oh three uh, Ole Miss six, fourteen Ole Miss Ooh. seven, ten Mississippi State eight, Ole Miss eight oh eight nine, and tenth is a uh, ninety-two Ole Miss. Yeah, see a little, little. We'll mix up there in the middle numbers. Yeah. Ceasefire text line is open to you at 601-879-4395. Dwight says the SEC West sucked that year. And Arkansas that, was the, the best team in the West for most of that year. Yeah. 2008 Ole Miss beat the national champs. They did. They did. It's a Tebow cry game. It's a plaque outside what of the game swamp. game is the Tebow crying game? Come yeah, on. true. Jason says, I don't understand your logic, hey, Dad. It's a five-loss team, three of them completely non-competitive. Is State's best team because they won an uncharacter- uncharacteristically bad SEC West? Well, I don't have them as their best team. I have them as their third best team. But yeah. they won the West. I mean, yeah. say what you want about anything else. They did it, and nobody else on this list has done it. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, like, I completely get that. But they lost five games. And so I just think there are other t- I, I understand that they have an accomplishment that no one. I mean, that's like what you said a second ago. The 2021 Ole Miss team 
could be number one overall if they had won the Sugar Bowl. But they didn't. It was an ugly end, and I've got them at the other thing six to consider, on that list. The other thing to consider is this is a you know back in the eleven game schedule. So if this team plays a twelve game schedule like we do nowadays, they're playing some other terrible group of five team, and they're nine and three in the regular season. Does that change it for you if they were nine and five? Eh. Maybe. No. I mean, look, you're you're just looking for a reason to argue when you say, how are you going to argue about a state team that won the West? Ole Miss will go down as the only team in the West history never to have won the West. No, no kidding. Like, I get it, right? Ole Miss never been to Atlanta. Congratulations on knowing that. You and everybody else that lives in the state of Mississippi knows that. A couple of pretty good opportunities. They didn't get it done. That's not the point. I ranked the 90... Eight state team, eighth, which is a good spot, by the way. It's still in the top ten because they lost five games. Five! Five times that year they went to sleep as the team that finished second place in a game. We'll be back. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Messages on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395, if you want to uh, jump in the conversation. Let's start with this one. Hey, Dad, on the, uh, the, it feels like the 98 team is the team for Mississippi State is the one that we're arguing about, like their placement. I've got yeah. them eighth on this top ten list of the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. And you've got them, what, fifth? Fifth. So here somebody says, I agree with Haydad. Would you not put the 2022 Ole Miss baseball team in the top three teams in program history? Um, You mean the team that won the national championship? Yes, I would. And you responded, yes, exactly. So despite there being 10-plus Ole Miss baseball teams with better regular seasons, they trumped them all due to the natty. Same argument for 98-99 state football team jumping over teams that didn't win their division. No, it's not. It's a division title with a loss in the conference championship game versus winning the whole freaking thing. You're not comparing apples to oranges. You're comparing apples to Volkswagens. Like, I may be wrong in the argument, but I'm not wrong for your reason at all. Sorry. Don't be. Um... It's a shame y'all talked about all those Houston nut teams and no one dropped a 50 in there. No, the best moment is him claiming that. We're only talking about 30 years, not 50 years. No, the 50 is the goofiest one, but him claiming that his freshmen were the ones that were reading Neil McCready's picks behind a paywall and not him or his brother or anybody on his staff. That I don't read your stuff. My freshman brought it to me. Yeah, sure, 18-year-olds are subscribing to paywalled message boards. Sure, Houston. Sure. Yeah. Why not? I love this question. Of all these teams, what was the best offensive unit and what was the best defensive unit? 
So we've had two in the playoff era number one scoring defenses in college football, correct? One at State, one at Ole Miss, right? I think State in 18 was the number one total defense, too. I could be wrong. And then Ole Miss in 14. 2014, Ole Miss Mm -hmm. was the number one scoring defense. 99 State was the number one total defense. Total and scoring. Oof. Yeah, t- to yeah, me, the, the 99 defense for State probably is the answer to this question. Let me find the number here. The 99 State team, the most points they gave up in a game that year was 22. They held to one, two, th- to Kentucky. Only two score teams scored 20 or more, Ole Miss and Kentucky. And that was the Tim Couch, Hal Mummy, Kentucky, right? Well, that's Dusty Bonner, but yeah, Mummy was there, yeah. Oh. Okay. Is that the year Couch got drafted the year before? Is that right? Yeah, he was the first pick of the 99 draft, yeah. Um. What else, what else, what else? Oh, best offensive unit. 15 Ole Miss would be it has to be in the conversation. I don't know if they're at number 15 one. 15 Ole Miss or 21 Ole Miss. I'd have to go. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Yeah, I think it's that 15 Ole Miss team. Right. Only Johnny Manziel had a more productive total yard season. Than Chad Kelly in SEC history, yep. I think that's been broken. But after that season, only Manziel had more total yards in a season than Chad Kelly. Yeah, I think Joe Burrow like ripped everybody's records apart in that yeah. one season. Yes. Like if Burrow you made it if, untenable. Yes, if you had an offensive record in the SEC prior to twenty twenty one, you don't anymore. You're down to you don't have a, if it's a, sing, a single season. Now, a career, yeah, 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 you can yeah, still yeah. get there. Yeah, but sure. Single sure. season, you're a quarterback. No, you're just out of luck. Uh, Lucas and Union, an Ole Miss guy, ranking a rival team who won their division as eighth, is on par for Ole Miss people. If Ole Miss finished with five losses but won the West, Richard would have them much higher than eighth. <laughs> you can label me the Ole Miss guy all you want. Like that, that's fine. That's, that's what my diploma says. I worked for him for a long time. I live in Oxford. Fine. I'm like by definition, you have a tattoo? I'm an oldest guy. I do not have a tattoo. I, I genuinely to tried to sort through all of these teams and like order them in. I mean, if I had some agenda, I wouldn't have the '99 Mississippi State team as the number two best team of the last thirty years in the state of Mississippi. I don't. Um, so, the, the reason I have the 98, the, the, there are two reasons that I have 98 at number eight. Reason number one is they lost five games. They're five losses. Reason number two it was a process of elimination, and I only had two slots left on the list. As I took all the teams that we were picking for and was trying to order them, 
I was like, well, this team's better than that. I'd put this team ahead of that. I'd put this team ahead of that. And, and so I had eight and nine left on the list. And so I put 98 Mississippi State at eight. Because I didn't, I didn't think they were, I didn't think they were better than the 2014 Ole Miss team. I didn't think they were better than the 21 Ole Miss team. I didn't think they were better than the 2014 State team or the 08 Ole Miss team or 03 or 99. And now I will readily admit, and I, I did it at the time. I understand that I have the 08 Ole Miss team as an outlier. Like I get that. Here's the thing. I saw all that stuff with my own eyes, like up close and personal. Like I went to Baton Rouge and watched Ole Miss empty Tiger Stadium for a 2.30 CBS game with like 12 minutes to go in the game. Complete and total domination. We talked about what they did on Thanksgiving night. I, I don't know. And then, and then what they it did Thanksgiving. in the... Was it a Saturday night? I believe it was a Friday. But Friday at night? No, 2008 Egg Bowl? Friday, early morning, 1121 JP. In Starkville? Oxford. In Oxford. Okay. I'll take your word for it. You know, you'd think I would be the one who blocked that game from his memory. But it's 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 not still crystal clear for me. Okay. Uh, I love this one. I love this message. This is getting boring. Okay, I'm sorry. Let's, let's do, let's worst do teams worst tomorrow. Teams tomorrow. That'll be a that'll be a far more heated discussion. We got some real contenders. Oh, me. I'm just going to tell you, my top two would be uh, 11 Ole Miss, and I'm between 07 Ole Miss and 03 State. 11 Ole Miss was 2 and 10 with the loss to Jacksonville State. Mm-hmm. 7 Ole Miss was Ogeron's last year. They went winless in the conference. And LSU took a knee at the five-yard line or the one-yard line or the three-yard line that's, with that's like 11. seven minutes that's to go. That's 11. Oh, I'm sorry. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay. How's that that game? What do you want me to do? Yeah. Dan in Hattiesburg, he says, hey, just for kicks, would the 97 Southern Miss team make this list? Well, 97 Southern Miss. You got to give me a second. Let me uh, let me look them up. Is that the team that won? That team finished nine and three. Who are their nine? Uh, I don't know that they had any. Looking at it, they lost. They beat Illinois. They won at but that's an zero and eleven Illinois team. They lost to Florida and Alabama. Who else did they lose to? And to Tennessee. All those games on the road. Hmm. 2000 team beat Alabama 21 nothing. I was at that game. If was I was going to put year a, they Southern, won at Nebraska what? and at Alabama, that, did, that just makes that up. No, it's it's not that year. I'm, Nebraska was that's further down the road. I think 2004 they won at Nebraska. 
the the, the Southern team that probably is going to make would make this the, the cut here. Twenty eleven when they went twelve and two and won the conference USA championship. Ninety nine they were nine and three. Um. There's another one there. 97, they were 9-3 and three and won the Liberty Bowl. So, Yeah. All right. Sports Talk Mississippi, we will, uh, we'll wrap it up with you. Coming up next in the Pearl River Resort Studios on this Thursday afternoon. He back production. He got walrus combo. He got all the for he want. Talk Mississippi. What is going on here? Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Go to the events page and check out all of the upcoming stuff that is happening, whether it's events or concerts or readings, etc., etc. You can find that on the Visit Oxford website, visitoxfordms.com. Also find places to stay and uh, dining options, and a whole lot more. Be sure to follow them along on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at VisitOxfordMS, VisitOxfordMS.com. So what are we doing tomorrow? Top ten players? Oh, man, that's impossible. Mm. You know, the, the top... Three. Well, if you're going back to 92, I don't have the knowledge. But in the playoff era, the top three are linemen. Could be. Top four, possibly linemen. Hmm. Two defensive linemen, one tackle from Mississippi State, one tackle from Ole Miss. Tunsil Cross, Simmons. I mean, sure. Like so I the was, next one. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Right. I was just, I like, I was just had names flashing through my yeah. mind. Chris Jones. So what? What we'll do? That's what we do. Let's do this. You do ten for Ole Miss. I'll do ten for State, and then we'll see if we can't a, a, after the we have the top tens, we rank them from there. Or we each get to eliminate five from the others list. I'm going to eliminate Chad Kelly just for spite. Are you now? <laughs> Are you now? I mean, there's some good ones on both There sides. goes Dak Prescott. There he went. What happened to Dak? I don't shush. know. Shush. <laughs> this is kind of a mediocre list you guys came up with. Yeah, well, you know. No Dak? Yeah, well, you know, there was some spite. It just uh, happens sometimes. 
Uh, don't forget, we will uh, we will be at Starkville tomorrow, and uh, looking forward to that as we uh, will spend the day at. Um, I'm sorry, I cannot remember the name of the building. Something Ricks. Lloyd Ricks. Lloyd, Lloyd Ricks. Ricks Building on the campus of Mississippi State. The entire Super Talk Mississippi team will be there. It's uh, to help bring awareness to CAST, Child Advocacy Studies Training, a nonprofit membership organization that supports and advocates on behalf of children's advocacy centers and multidisciplinary teams statewide. So we certainly are looking forward to that. Mississippi 811 Blood Drive Day is coming up. It's all about damage prevention and saving lives. Be sure to dig safely. By calling 811 at least three days before you dig, Mississippi 811 is partnered with Mississippi Blood Services to promote safe digging and saving lives. Join them at their offices at 200 Colony Place, uh, Country Place Parkway in Pearl on Friday. When you donate blood, they'll provide a free lunch, give you a $20 gift card, and a T-shirt along with other giveaways. For an appointment, call Mississippi Blood Services at 601 368 73 that is 601-368-2673. Well, you remember the time I gave blood while I was on the radio? I do remember that. Yeah. It's been a while. We should do something like that again. Open to doing that? I'd certainly, be up for that. Uh, certainly could. Um, let's see here. We got the, uh, this is getting boring, please no more. Uh, we also got great conversation today. We got, these have been the two best five o'clock hours of the entire calendar year. <laughs> and look, I mean, hey, look, to each their own, right? Whatever you like, yeah. you like. But there are a lot of people, you had some feedback on this last night as well, that you just kind of like open up some memory banks and it starts taking you back. To, to games, some yeah. of which have run together yeah. through the years, and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that, or oh, yeah, I remember him, or whew, that was fun. There might be like a, a I, smell I enjoyed, that stands out. Or I mean, a, yeah. I, I enjoyed our recap of the 2008 Egg Bowl. That was very, very, very exciting for me. But like, anytime <laughs> you're with your buddies, it just, hey, you remember this guy? Yeah. And then, boom, it's you just like, start it's like the, the tweet, right? It's like guys can be happy sitting around naming random athletes for hours at a time. Yeah. It's the truth. That's I could sit here and have these conversations about old games on both for both teams all day long. Would yeah. never tire. But I, I, I could. You want to do a Palmer Home Radio thon of just me and you talking about these games? We could do the. Nobody else needs to show up. Maybe so. Although we still nine have hours of us. Remember that's a uh, that's a, an issue. We'll get that in between. We'll, yeah. Hey, we uh, we're really close to football. Three weeks from tonight, we got a yeah, uh, pretty good slate of games happening across the country, and that kicks off a five day weekend. If you celebrate Thursday football, Friday football, Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday, including that Sunday night game between LSU and Florida State in Orlando. I mean, cannot wait to watch that game. Thanks for being with us. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studios. We'll talk to you to Stark, uh, from Starkville tomorrow. Good night. Oh, it's incredible! 
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.